For even more in-depth thoughts and opinions on the most recent releases and all of your favorite films, be sure to follow True Critic on Twitter at RideQuistJake. True Critic is always releasing fresh, spoiler-free analyses on movies every week and is always open to suggestions on films that you would like him to watch. Once again, that's True Critic on Twitter at RideQuistJake. That's at R-Y-D-Q-U-I-S-T-J-A-K-E. Welcome back to another episode of the True Critic Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jake Rydquist, and today I'm delighted to be joined by my personal friend and college roommate, Cam Zierick. Cam, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thanks for asking, and thank you for having me on the show, Jake. Hey, it's my pleasure. How was your Christmas, Cam? Uh, it was It was all right. You know, the Christmas spirit just wasn't there, but oh, well, still a good time with the family. Some years are better than others. Yeah, I guess. Well, today we're very excited to be talking about our top 10 favorite movies of 2019, but before we get into that list, we've got a couple things we want to go over. First, I want to ask you, Cam, how did you feel about 2019 as a year for movies? 2019 was a fantastic year for movies, especially October through December. You had mm-hmm. movies coming out every week, sometimes two. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's, yeah. Usually how it goes is the fall movie season usually is where everything starts to pick up. But even before that, I have movies on my list that are from as early as March. Yeah. And, yeah. And the whole year has been really satisfying and has done a great job of closing out a decade i would say that has been honestly a lot more satisfying for movies than people give it credit for absolutely so before another thing i want to cover before we get started is are there any movies that you haven't seen that you think might be on your list had you seen them uh the only one i can think of off the top of my head is uh 1917 yeah uh set to be released early january yeah i know we were hoping to see that together um right around christmas time but Unfortunately not. Yeah, Oscar, Oscar type movies usually do that to us, which is annoying. But we'll see it soon, and who knows where it'll slide in or if it will at all. But yep. definitely excited to see it. I had a few more on my list. I know two of which you have seen. Um, one is the uh, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, the mm-hmm. Tom Hanks starring biopic on uh, Mr. Rogers, and then you have also seen Parasite, and I have not. Indeed. Yeah. Um, another couple movies that are not will not be on my list, I haven't seen them, are Portrait of a Lady on Fire, The Souvenir, Pain and Glory, and The Farewell. Those are some movies that I definitely want to see, but I just haven't had the chance to yet. And uh, But now that we've covered that, I'd like to move on to Cam. What are some of your honorable mentions, some movies that um, maybe just missed getting into your top ten, but you definitely really want to give a shout-out to? Okay, so first, uh, Ad Astra, the space mm-hmm. epic with Brad Pitt. I love that movie. Uh, a lot more than most people. There are a couple things that I think don't really hit the note tone wise, but yeah. I just I love sci-fi and Brad Pitt delivers a great performance. And some of the visuals, especially towards the climax of the yeah. movie, are just unbelievable. Yeah, I definitely think Ad Astra went under a lot of people ra- a lot of people's radar this year. I mm-hmm. think it was one of those movies that just kind of came and went. But yeah, we went and saw that together, and I I definitely really enjoyed it. It doesn't doesn't quite make my um, list either, but I definitely really enjoyed it. Highly recommend it. And then another one was The Irishman, uh, Martin Scorsese. Three and a half hours is pretty long, but <laughs> yeah. it, it doesn't really feel that long, and all the performances are great. It just doesn't quite make the list for me. Yeah, Irishman, if this was a top 11 list, would be there for me. It slides into my 11th favorite movie this year. Definitely one I would give an honorable mention to. And yeah, the three and a half hour runtime is definitely, I think, 
deterring a lot of the people that I've talked to the film about and maybe why they haven't seen it yet, but A, I felt like it flew by, and if it is, and B, if it is a something that's turning you off from the movie, I would recommend just splitting it up into like maybe a two-day watch. Yeah. Because it's a, it's a really interesting story, and it's really cool to see what Scorsese can do mixing together the mob and the U.S. government. Not only that, everyone who I've like known who is like hesitant to watch it because of the runtime, once they watch it, mm-hmm. they never they don't complain about the runtime. They always yeah. say that went by way faster than I anticipated. Right, yeah, for sure. All right, what what other honorable mentions do you have? And then I have Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, the movie you just mentioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tom Hanks gives a great performance. Uh, I grew up watching that show, not a lot of it, but some of it, enough to remember it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it... It was really interesting to not to see this movie from not from the point of view of Mr. Rogers, mm-hmm. of uh, I forget the name of the yeah. person, but from his point of view interviewing Mr. Rogers. And did you see "Won't You Be My Neighbor" documentary from last year? I did. Yes, that documentary is one of my favorite documentaries I've seen. It it really just captures like the essence of Mr. Rogers very well. All right, cool. Any other movies you want to give a shout out to? Uh, yeah, I guess Rocket Man. That would probably mm-hmm. be another one that's really yeah. close. Rocketman, we will definitely be talking about that a little bit very soon. Yeah. Um, as far as honorable mentions go for me, there's uh, only two more that I want to give a shout out to. Um, Dark Waters is a movie that I know I like personally more than you do. It was a movie we saw together, and uh, I uh, I didn't I did not have very high expectations going in. Mm-hmm. I thought the the marketing of this film was very very odd. It really portrayed it like it was going to be a very very boring boring movie even the poster was just uninspired and really generic but once i sat down and watched it i learned way more than i thought i would learn and it was honestly like scary yeah i mean a lot of the stuff that is just happening right under our noses that we have no no idea about yeah i definitely still really like the movie yeah and then um the final honorable mention i'd like to give is uh the art of self-defense which is a movie that came out over the summer. Probably not a lot of you listeners know about it, but it's uh, starring Jesse Eisenberg. It's this dark comedy that centers all around a guy that is just incredibly insecure, and but he decides to join join a uh, karate dojo. And it reminds me of uh, almost like an R-rated Napoleon Dynamite with its yeah. style of humor, but it gets very dark in its as it progresses, but it was definitely something I uh, I really enjoyed watching and I'm looking forward to revisiting. Definitely a lot of hilarious moments in that one. Oh, yeah. Okay, so when we get into our top 10 lists here, here's how it's going to work. Cam, you'll share your number 10, then I'll share my number 10, you share your number 9, I share my number 9, so on and so on. I'm assuming that a lot of our list is going to overlap. We yeah. saw a lot of movies together this year and we've had multiple discussions about a lot of the movies on the on this list, or both of our lists. Yeah. So, um... For instance, if your number eight happens to be my number four or something like that, we'll just take one opportunity to discuss the movie and not talk about it multiple times. So without further ado, Cam, what is your number 10 on your top 10 favorite movies of 2019? Okay, so this might surprise a lot of people, but just making the list at number 10 is Avengers Endgame. Yep. So it is a monumental achievement for movies, the Mm -hmm. culmination of... 21 this is 20 being the 22nd movie oh yeah it's incredibly satisfying end to this uh, to these three phases of marvel Mm -hmm. uh it's just in a year that was so stacked with movies it just barely makes the list at number 10 yeah uh endgame's number eight on my list i definitely something i really enjoyed and saw it three times in theaters and you know i've been a marvel fan for as long as they've been coming out yeah and endgame was something that for how much there was to include how large of an ensemble there was in this movie 
it is handled with such an amount of care that it helps this three-hour runtime not only feel earned, but it's also just relentlessly entertaining. There's something going on at all times. There's It's never boring or dull, at least for me it wasn't. Nope. And I enjoyed sitting through it every single time I saw it. And the last um, 45 minutes to an hour of this movie, are, I mean, it's on such a grand scale, and it's something that's so satisfying to watch, which I feel like was the case with a lot of movies this year. A lot of movies this year, especially some that we'll talk about um, as we get further down our lists are these movies that just build to this ri- this rousing finale that are just like completely seal the movie in the most satisfying way possible. And I thought Endgame was definitely one of those movies for sure. And I, uh, I can't wait to watch it again. And it was definitely something that for sure earns its spot on my list. Yep, absolutely. Now, my number 10 was uh, one of your honorable mentions. It was uh, Rocket Man, directed okay. by Dexter Fletcher. Now, rock, now coming off the heels of Bohemian Rhapsody, which um, I personally was not a big fan of. I thought I it was very that. mediocre, and I thought it um, had some issues with focus. I yeah. felt like the film couldn't decide whether it wanted to be the story of Freddie Mercury or the story of Queen. Mm-hmm. But with this film being just about Elton John, I feel like in that aspect, it shined. The film felt like it had so much more um, just emotional weight and overall substance to the story, and... And that's also uh, a big part of that is due to Taron Egerton's performance. Yeah, he's, he was amazing. He's fantastic in this movie. And I also wanted to add that uh, comparing to Bowling and Rhapsody, I feel like the way they included the music of Elton John was way mm-hmm. more creative yeah. than the way that they did it in Bohemian. Right, yeah. Both um, Elton John and Freddie Mercury are known for being rather flamboyant. Yeah. And I feel like by having this movie um, serve as more of a fantastical musical, mm-hmm. it was I felt so much more... Um, successful in its way of portraying its story of helping us get in the mind of elton john seeing his struggles seeing his highs seeing his lows and i just thought it was a really 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 impactful biopic that is something that i think i'm looking forward to watching again and again and certainly over these past the past couple years we've gotten a lot of musical biopics and this is definitely one of my favorites if not my favorite for sure yeah absolutely all right kim what's your number nine okay at number nine uh i got parasite um Mm -hmm foreign film uh, a lot of people might not have seen it but it is getting a lot of recognition yeah uh, because it is like it's got such high praise mm-hmm. um this movie for me it just it proves that no matter like where the movie is like made or in what language if you make a truly great movie people are going to recognize it and they're going to know oh, yeah. about it for sure yeah like i said i haven't seen parasite but i definitely want to um bong joon ho has a very very um interesting filmography he, yeah the only other english made or English language films he's made have been um, Snowpiercer mm-hmm. and uh, uh, Okja, which was the Netflix movie a couple years ago. But other than that, his films are mostly in Korean. This yep. one's in Korean. I'm definitely looking forward to seeing it. I really don't know much about the story, which I hear is the best way to go into it. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, as the story unfolds, you, it definitely like there are moments where you're just like, yeah, wow, like because you get to see where the direction of the movie is going. Mm-hmm. I hear, yeah. So I hear there's like humorous moments, and there's definitely like it's very thrilling. Mm-hmm. How did you feel about like, the overall tone of the movie? Uh, so it's kind of funny because I've heard a lot of people say it's like one of the funniest movies of the year. Mm-hmm. I didn't find it to be really be that funny. There are definitely times where I laughed, mm-hmm. but the, um, in terms of the tone, there is definitely a, a shift in tone towards I would say two thirds into the movie, mm-hmm. and uh, it definitely switches on you and you, you kind of take a step back and you're like like whoa but i wouldn't say it's really a comedy like there are yeah, funny moments sure. but 
Uh-huh. I wouldn't say it's one of the funniest of the year. Yeah. But uh, there's definitely a lot of like uh, quick humor, like back and mm-hmm. forth between his family that yeah. hits. Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing it. It seems very interesting, and I have a lot of respect for Bong Joon-ho in it. Yeah. Looking forward to seeing it within the next couple months here. All right, my number nine was uh, Ford v. Ferrari, directed by James Mangold. Mm-hmm. And uh, Ford v. Ferrari was just one of the more crowd-pleasing movies I've seen this year. It's Absolutely. one of those movies that just gets consistently better as it goes on. It starts off as this kind of um, just lighthearted um, movie with a lot of back-and-forth dialogue. It's really entertaining. But as it goes on, you get more racing scenes, more um, knowledge about these cars and how these companies operate. Um, yeah. It becomes really, really riveting. And the the last hour of the film, the 24 hours at Le Mans, is some of the best filmmaking I've seen all year. Yeah, it was great. Uh-huh. And, I mean, to go with that, too, um, Christian Bale and Matt Damon were excellent in this movie. Yeah, both of them are great. And also, I want to add that uh, the relationship between Christian Bale's character and his son I yeah, thought was really well definitely. implemented into uh-huh. the movie as well. well. Yeah, one of the better child performances I've seen in a while. Yeah, definitely. Uh-huh. Yeah, Ford v. Ferrari was, um, like I said, it was very crowd-pleasing, but I, and for how long it was, the film's two, uh, two and a half hours. Yeah. And it was one of those movies that, for me, just flew by. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, I mean, it's one of those movies that I'm really glad I saw it in the theater and not at home because the movie, I think, is meant to be seen on a grand, as grand a scale as possible. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, yeah. But yeah, I really enjoyed it. And coming off of uh, Logan, a much darker, darker oh, yeah, film for sure. And I mean, James Mangold also made uh, Walk the Line, the yeah Johnny uh, Cash, Johnny Cash, Joaquin Phoenix biopic. He's a very versatile filmmaker, Absolutely. and I think he he doesn't often get the recognition he deserves because no. he has truly made some of the best movies of uh i would say from 2000 to now yeah absolutely definitely two of my favorite of the decade with ford v ferrari and logan all right and then you said your number eight was ford v ferrari right? yes my number eight is also ford versus ferrari all right well then let's jump into your number seven what's your number seven okay number seven is a movie that me and you uh saw together waves Mm -hmm. uh waves it's it's one of the deepest movies of 2019 it deals with so much and it's it's almost like scary and haunting with uh how real it like mm-hmm. and impactful it is like as a, as someone watching it like you can relate even though the things that happen you don't necessarily personally connect to because like it's kind of out there but it's all very real in the way that it's portrayed on screen that it's almost like this could happen to you if you right yeah choose if you make a decision in the wrong way mm-hmm. yeah waves was definitely something that hit very close to home just in the sense of its incredibly realistic portrayal of high school yeah Absolutely. I mean, while it's not something you and I may have experienced firsthand, it's 100% something you can see happening. Yes. And the film is, uh, it's basically two different stories, right? But yeah. with the same family, something tragic happens, and it's how they deal with this tragedy. Mm-hmm. And in that sense, watching the film and not knowing that it was going to be like that, when the when you realize that's what's going on, because when the first story ends, yeah. um, quotation of the first story, yeah. I was like, wow, that was a really short movie. Yeah. And then it starts up again, and then you're like, oh, this is still going. It's a lot slower, too. It's a lot slower. It's a lot more heartfelt and endearing. Yeah. Well, the first half of the movie is strictly adrenaline. So, yeah, it's anxiety. like a train wreck. Yeah, anxiety. Yeah, it's like watching a car crash in slow motion. Exactly, yeah. And yeah, the movie as a whole, especially that first half, is very anxiety-inducing and dizzying, especially you know Trey Edward Schultz, who directed this. His previous movie, It Comes at Night, he has this way with the camera where he would he would spin it around characters and yep. just 
fully immerse you in this setting, but in this dizzying manner that, but it was also in this way that you couldn't take your eyes off of it. Yeah. And having that set in as just like the tone of this movie really hooked me from the start. And uh, also just, yeah, to go, the themes in this movie are not only universal, but I think are just so important for someone that's in high school. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I wanted to mention that uh, the, the two stories that you talked about, I feel like they complement each other very well. Yeah. Like they don't don't they make sense to be in one big movie together. It's not like they right. don't feel like two separate movies. Oh yeah, for sure. I would say um even though they're different in tone, I would yeah. say the film flows a lot better than I thought it would. Yeah. And I think it helps highlight I think the themes are set up very well in the first half and then when they are um explored in further depth in the second half, it is it is incredibly impactful, very emotional and well worth the watch because I know a lot of people haven't seen this movie. Yeah, and you'll definitely leave the theater thinking about oh yeah life decisions and oh yeah all for that sure sort of thing. yeah waves will definitely stick with you. It was also number seven on my list. Nice. So um, with that, Cam, let's move into your number six. What was your number six? Okay, so number six is a movie that came all out all the way back in March as mm-hmm. Us, Jordan yep. Peele's second uh, directed movie. Yep, that's Again, my number five. Sticking with the horror genre, mm-hmm. this movie was awesome. It. It right. it's like it took all the like things that were great about Get Out, but kind of put it in like the slasher type horror movie, a little bit more right, yeah. conventional. But it also separates itself from the rest of the conventional horror movies with its ambiguity oh, and like for sure. unopened and uh, things that it left uh, like open to interpretation. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. Us was um. Us is my number five, like I said, and uh, I think Jordan Peele is probably the best horror filmmaker we have working today yeah he i mean i know he only has two films under his track record but uh maybe him and um eggers yeah him eggers ari aster they're all up there but uh jordan peele has this way of making these consistently entertaining and riveting movies that are also thought-provoking and funny too they're they're incredibly funny and Mm -hmm. i mean especially uh one of the things that stuck out um with us for me which I think I think it probably has my favorite music of the year. Yeah, the music's Michael incredible. Abel's who did the score for this film. It's it's fantastic. I love listening to it. And another thing that I think from this movie doesn't get enough credit. I think it was talked about a lot when it came out, but now as the year's coming to an end and more Oscar movies are coming out, I don't think Lupita Nyong'o gets enough credit for how good of a performance she has. Yeah, it's going to be like kind of thrown in the background when you look at some of the movies that have come out recently mm-hmm. yeah. because it's a horror movie. But yeah. yeah, no, you're right. Absolutely right. Her performance is yeah. amazing and she deserves a lot more credit yeah turning in a dual performance she's playing two different characters yeah. and she is she in my opinion the best thing about the movie and she is just so convincing and so scary yeah. as the uh, antagonist in this film as well as compelling protagonist oh yeah she yeah she's That's a very interesting character she helps add so much to the ambiguity of this film like you yeah. mentioned and I just I can't wait to see what Jordan Peele does next and yep. us is for sure deserves to be in my top five favorite movies of the year yes all right, so my number six was um, Marriage Story. Nice. And is this on your list? It is. It's a little bit higher up on my list. All right, where do you have it on your list? It is at number three for me. Yeah. Now, Marriage Story came out pretty recently. It's a Netflix release directed by Noah Baumbach and starring um, Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson, who are certainly, I think, deserve to get Oscar nominations, and I think they most definitely will. Yeah. But um, the thing about Marriage Story that I love so much is... Um, it's authenticity 
yeah it feels so real it feels like you're a fly in the wall in the situation exactly yeah and i i mean a big part of that is um the writing but i mean also it's the performances from adam and also the editing too i was about to mention the editing is seamless yeah the movie flows in a very just consistent pace cuts are extremely long exactly yeah and and for having to um bounce back so much stuff of dealing with family struggles at home with their son and then also bouncing that with like legal courtroom drama like scenes the film is just flows so well and it and when you think about it in hindsight it really shouldn't yeah and it's just i can't give uh marriage story enough praise i i'm surprised it fell to six i just think the movies higher up on my list have stuck with me more emotionally mainly because i think i haven't really dealt with a situation like this and i'm very fortunate for that but i think that this movie deserves to be seen by as many people as possible, and I think it deserves all the recognition it gets. Yeah, also Netflix is making a lot of more and more big movies like right, this. Yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm glad to see that. Yeah, mm-hmm. me too. Mm-hmm. All right, so your number five, if I see this correctly, is my number one. Okay, do you not want me to say it? Yeah, I'd like to wait till we get to okay. um, my number one. So, And then my number five was Us, as I mentioned earlier. Yep. So let's move into your number four. What is your fourth favorite movie? Okay, my number four is Joker mm-hmm. with Joaquin Phoenix as yep. the lead playing this iconic character. Yeah. This movie has a lot of controversy around it. I don't see why at all. This mm-hmm. movie is great. It is amazing. Uh, mm-hmm. He delivers one of the best performances, and I think he should get consideration for an Oscar nomination. Yeah. And um, the music is amazing. The directing by uh, Todd Phillips is great. Mm-hmm. A lot different than his previous films, The Hangover. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But uh, sure. he hits the note, and uh, mm-hmm. it was just completely satisfying portrayal and in-depth portrayal of an uh, iconic comic book character. Yeah. Joker comes in at number three on my list. Um, I loved Joker. I absolutely loved it. Yeah. It's dark, it's bleak, and it's really depressing. Yeah. But it's also at the same time really, really beautiful in the way it's shot. It's shot in this. Um, these colors just shine. I mean, you see these yellows and blues. And that, red. Yeah, yellows, blues, reds, and all these ways that just completely highlight the mood of Arthur Fleck, Joaquin Phoenix's character, in whatever scene it is. And I, my favorite thing about this movie is that it doesn't pander to comic book fans. No, not at all. I know. He, oh, it, uh, <laughs> sorry, I just broke my pen. But uh, yeah, it has a clear story and a clear focus of what it wants to do, what it wants to say. And it just tells it in this slow burn fashion where Joaquin Phoenix's character is constantly just beat up and you don't think it can get any worse for him. And then it does. And then it does. And it's completely believable as to how this man became the Joker and why he feels the way he does. Yeah. And also, like you were mentioning before, in terms of movies Mm -hmm. coming to a climax, this movie, just like that. Oh, yeah. Builds to Mm -hmm. a point. Yeah. The last 30 minutes of Joker are definitely some of uh, some of the more intense satisfying engaging moments in any movie i've seen this year yeah but yeah uh, joaquin phoenix is to say his um uh performance is like transformative it's an understatement at this point i mean yeah he he looks like a contortionist during the movie but he and i mean the laugh he does in this movie is it's like painful it'll it's painful it'll get under your skin it's really hard to look at hard to listen to and he just conveys this character and i think in such a fashion that i don't think anyone today could have done it better no yeah he definitely deserves at least a nomination for his performance and um one other thing i want to say is um 
along with us joker also has some of my favorite music of the year i don't yes. know how to pronounce her name the composer i she's like <laughs> lithuanian or something european but uh she her music the first time i saw it reminded me almost of game of thrones it has this like loud just like violin strings and it's very just like somber slow but it is really really fitting for this story yeah and really helps highlight his descent into madness also has a very good soundtrack as well it does yeah highly underrated soundtrack that when it comes up in the movie it's definitely feels earned okay so joker was your number four my number four is uh once upon a time in hollywood nice directed by quentin tarantino this movie's on your list too, right? At number two. Yeah, wow. Yeah, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I just rewatched it last night. I've I don't that was my first time seeing it since I saw it over the summer. And Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is so meticulously crafted. It's a love letter to Hollywood. It really is. And it's so particular about each scene. And there's stuff that happens in this movie that just like seems like on the surface that it's seemingly like insignificant to the yeah. story. But when you just look at everything that happens in this movie on a broader scale, each and every moment is so deeply personal to the characters. And you can tell it's personal to Tarantino. Yeah. And that the two hour and 41 minute runtime is honestly just flies by. Absolutely. And Especially because the performances are all great oh, across yeah. the board. I mean, yeah. I mean, Leo's first performance since The Revenant, since yep. he won. And he he might get another Oscar nom this year. I mean, yeah. it's really a stacked year for, it is. for the uh, best actor category. But... He definitely deserved it, but I think the real uh, performer that shines in this movie is Brad Pitt. Yeah, sure. I love Brad Pitt's character in this film, mm-hmm. Cliff Booth. Yeah. Stunt double. Yeah. Brad Pitt's swagger is just the perfect embodiment. For, that is a badass. <laughs> he is. He's awesome. It perfectly embodies Cliff Booth, and Once Upon a Time might be, for me, I think it might be one of the funniest movies I've seen this yeah. year. It's definitely one of the most endearing, for sure, maybe the most entertaining movie I've seen this year. Yeah. And I, it's definitely one of Quentin's best films for me. Yeah, uh, I watched this the other night with my dad, and it was kind of funny because mm-hmm. every car that was in frame, he mm-hmm. knew like the model and oh, like yeah. the year, and it just goes to show, like, like you said, how like articulate Tarantino mm-hmm. was when crafting this setting of, of the golden ages of Hollywood. You really oh, yeah. feel like these characters are in because mm-hmm. a lot of the characters are based off real people, yeah. but the main characters are not real, mm-hmm. and he does a great job of incorporating these characters like the way that they are into this age of hollywood that yeah was you know it has some issues with it but yeah it was the golden ages yeah quentin's dedication to 1969 is definitely a very evident and yeah like you said in a film that's surrounded by real people having its main characters be people that obviously aren't real quentin's ability to make them feel a hundred percent real in this universe is it's it's beyond impressive his decision to show as many um episodes of leo's characters tv bounty show law. bounty law jk yes. hill yeah it's his like I said, it goes back to just how meticulously crafted this is and how much of a purpose he had from the get-go and i i know some people that don't like this movie as yeah. i say they don't see the point in it but I yeah because really not about a whole lot it re- yeah because it really it the, a majority of the movie is like one day it really is, yeah. And then mm-hmm. it jumps ahead towards the end. Yeah, and it may seem like some characters just, like you're just come and go. Them. Yeah, but um, I think just following these characters throughout their day was like honestly kind of riveting. Oh yeah, they're like very, you said, very they feel interesting so real. people. Yeah, for sure. I yeah, I absolutely love. You get this a first hand look at uh like productions of old time westerns. And yeah, it's exactly. Awesome. Yeah, uh, yeah. 
Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is definitely, it, it goes back to, it's like, people can release these Oscar movies, like, because Once Upon a Time, I think, might win Best Picture, honestly. It has a chance. Yeah, I mean. Every me, Tarantino movie yeah, always has a chance. It, true. I hope this is the one to do it, though. Yeah, me too. And um, I hope it gets a lot of nominations and hopefully some wins, but uh, definitely deserves to be in my top five for the year. All right, Cam, what is your third favorite movie? So my number three was Marriage Story, a film uh, that yes. you already mentioned. Yeah, all right. So what was your, and your number two was, was Once, Once Upon a Time. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Okay, now, so that puts us to my number two, which okay. I believe is also your number one. It is my number one. So I'll let you introduce this movie. Okay, so my number one movie of the year was The Lighthouse. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot. I feel like a lot of people are not going to know this movie, but Robert Pattinson, Robert Pattinson and William Defoe are the, the only two characters in this entire movie. There's like mm-hmm. a couple nameless like things, but yeah. it's just them two on this one location, on this far away from land, and it is claustrophobic, shot in one nineteen one aspect ratio. Yeah, and it just helps add to this feeling of like, like, like you're suffocating on this island with them. Yeah. So yeah, the one by the one nineteen one aspect ratio. Basically, the film looks like it's shot in a square yeah as opposed to like a rectangle and also go with that it's got the completely black and white cinematography yes so on the surface especially to a lot of mainstream moviegoers this movie is not appealing it's all black and white and it has two characters yeah on one location exactly yeah but it is so incredibly engaging and just hypnotic yeah and there is maddening um, too oh yeah for sure it's yeah i mean the first comparison that comes to mind is The Shining, just yeah. with a, just seeing a character's one location, losing his yeah. mind, one location, but it's secluded as well, right? Yeah, but it's interesting because you get to see one character push another character to this like point of losing his mind, and so in that sense, it's just it's incredibly interesting to watch the dynamic between Pattinson and Defoe's characters, and that aspect ratio that we talked about it just completely just like juxtaposes yeah. how like askew and how like up and down this story is as as the movie goes on everything seems to get more and more out of control yeah and uh th- this film is so incredibly complex yeah. because the more it goes on the more imagery is presented that is um basically shown and it's open to interpretation. Yeah, that's gonna, that's gonna turn a lot of people off this movie. Yeah, it's yeah. There's a lot of ways to interpret this film. I know Cam and I both have our own like uh, thoughts, implications. Yeah, yeah, implications about this film. But uh, it's it's truly one of the best of the year. And Robert Eggers, who only really has two notable films or two well-known films under his belt, being yeah. Lighthouse and The Witch. Yeah, he is like we like we said, he's definitely one of the better horror mo- horror filmmakers working today. And I can't wait to see what he does next. That's one more thing about the lighthouse, though, is like it fits under so many different genres. Yeah, it's not re- it's not like a horror movie in its complete sense. Uh-huh. It has aspects of horror to it, but it also has other aspects right. to it. Yeah, I mean, it's a horror, it's a thriller, it's a mm-hmm. drama, and not to mention, it is actually hilarious. It is very funny. It yeah. is actually like one of the funnier <laughs> movies of this year, and I mean, it's, mostly from William Dafoe. Yeah, he's great, and you would not think that a movie about two lighthouse keepers in the uh, 19th century would feature fart jokes that are actually funny yeah (laughs) yeah lighthouse um accomplishes so much on so many different levels yeah that i can't wait to see what eckers does next and i can't wait to revisit the lighthouse yep 
All right, so my number one was your number five. Yes, A movie that very, very recently came out. I've seen it twice now, and I cannot wait to go a third time. Yeah, in a I'm definitely going to go again. Yeah, so that number one film for me and Cam's number five is Uncut Gems, starring Adam Sandler, Adam Sandler and directed by the Safdie brothers. So I feel, personally, I feel like films like The Lighthouse, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Joker might be um, films that are made with more of an attention to detail Yeah, in terms of their story and their overall. Craft. Yeah. But no film has stuck with me more like uncut more than Uncut Gems, and I think first and foremost it starts with Adam Sandler. He, yeah, he is amazing. He, he owns every single scene he's in. Yeah, it's his film. He it truly is, and I really, really, really hope he gives he gets an Oscar nomination because he delivers my favorite performance of yeah, this year. Yeah, he deserves a nomination. Yeah, and it's similar to the Joker in the sense that the whole movie rides on his shoulders. Yeah, in the sense the camera is basically just following him the whole movie. Yeah, you you get one. I think you get one shot of like a people watching him walk down the street but outside of that it's just his point of view true yeah and even there's yeah there's a shot there where it's camera's literally on his shoulder yeah you get to see like the back of his head and the people Mm -hmm. he sees but even that there's shots um that are shot um basically from almost like from the corner of a ceiling it seems like it's almost like security cam footage yeah Yeah. (laughs) and it's just the whole movie is just so in your face and the yeah. pace of it from the Safety brothers who um with their previous film good time are known for this just like this quick moving high intensity style of filmmaking and with these like constant use of close-ups yeah and the, the, just the overall editing style it flows very well while simultaneously like feeling like it's never stopping to giving you a chance to breathe which is something that i haven't seen done since mad max fury road yeah but this is a very different style of oh, movie yeah. Also, uh, the music is great. Uh-huh. It's different. It the, mu- yeah. the music doesn't seem like on paper that it would fit the tone of the movie, uh-huh. but the Safety Brothers like find yeah. a way to make it work. Yeah, the um, the music feels very cosmic. Yeah, almost like it belongs in like a sci-fi movie about outer space. Yeah, but at the same time, it has these elements of just like playful type music, kind yeah. of. And it's, like mysterious, yeah. yeah. And a lot of times the music is featured when uh, they do this zoom in into the, right. the gem, the opal. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, they they do a lot of um, decisions with um, highlighting the gem, how important it is to the story, but yeah, making you question how important is it in real life. Yeah, and just yeah. So the story as a whole is anxiety inducing. It's frenetic. It's overwhelming. Yeah. Claustrophobic. So many of these different adjectives. But I also want to get into. Um, so Kevin Garnett is in this movie, yeah. and he plays a major role. He plays himself. He plays himself. He's in the movie quite a bit, and yep. he's he's honestly very good. Yeah, he is a uh-huh. seamless actor. Yeah, it um, he yeah, even for playing himself, you would think he would come off as robotic, yeah. just being you know the only movie he's in. But he is completely believable, and he fits so well into the story. And to go along with that, the. Adam Sandler's girlfriend in the movie, Julia Fox. This is also her first movie. She was very good as well. She is very good. And the whole cast, top to bottom, I thought was fantastic. Idina Menzel as her yep. as his uh, wife. And uh, Lakeith Stanfield yeah. is in this movie. He's great. The Weeknd even has a small role. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, the whole movie is just relentlessly entertaining. Yeah. It's anxiety-inducing. It's stressful. I can't give the film enough praise and it's just it's so interesting to me that you just see this person Adam Sandler's character who is just the bottom of the barrel in terms of quality of human being yeah, he's, he's a, a scumbag a, he's a terrible person yeah he lies to everybody 
plays Nobody everybody. can trust him. Yeah, he, Even his wife. Yeah, he treats people terribly. But for some reason, you care about him and you're kind of rooting for him. Yeah, because you want him to get out of this. Exactly, yeah. And yeah, as the movie goes on and he makes these drastic decisions yeah. that just get more and more impactful and put yep. him in just a digging hole. himself a deeper and deeper hole. Yep. Your just chest tightens up and you just sit up in your seat and it's it truly impacted me like no other film has this year. And it also, like we talked about earlier, it has one of those finales that feels so earned once yeah. it happens. It's so just sudden. Sudden. It's it builds up to this point. To this moment where yeah. you're just it, I mean, it's jaw dropping, honestly. Yeah. And it was honest. It's, it's shocking. Yeah. Uncut gems, I mean, I can't recommend it enough and I can't wait to watch it again. And I can't wait to see what the Safety brothers do in the future. I'm, wa- I'm really curious to see where they go from here. Yeah, I, I haven't visited any of their other films, but this movie yeah. has definitely got me interested in yeah, what they I do. Mean, two young filmmakers really showing their showing their chops and showing how really talented they really are. All right, well, that, that concludes our top ten favorite movies of the year. Cam, I want to say thank you again for coming on the show. Anytime. Thanks for having me. And that concludes this episode of the True Critic Podcast. True Critic Podcast is a production of Coat Media Group. I'm Jake Rydquist, the host, writer, and executive producer of the True Critic Podcast. Our producers are Teddy Hirschfield and Kobe Manzo. Our executive producer is Teddy Hirschfield, and our associate producer is Kobe Manzo. Our theme song is Tech Knowledge by Peter Spacey, found from Artlist.io. Coat Media Group is your source for professional, quality, video editing, and audio content for corporate and personal video production. You can contact Coat Media Group at coat.mediagroup at gmail.com or you can visit their website at www.coatmediagroup.weebly.com.